1: From the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face. And I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who can't watch the show uh, live, they can go streaming video online, www.hotm.tv, and watch it from anywhere in the world. Also, let you know next week on KUTR AM 820, also known as The Truth. Tune in if you anywhere almost in the torso of Utah to hear the show on the radio station, The Truth AM 820. We hope you'll tune in there. Um, as we speak, five young men, four of which who are returned missionaries from the LDS Church are traveling by bus from Florida to Salt Lake City. Collectively, they make up the band called Adams Road. It's a Christian band those returned missionaries, all came to know the Lord and abandoned ship for him. Well, they're going to lead our worship this coming Sunday morning at Lord's Word at the Gateway Theaters in downtown Salt Lake City. We invite you all to come here and meet the members of Adams Road. And then next week here on Heart of the Matter, uh, these young men are going to be sitting here with me, and we're going to hear about how these active, faithful LDS RMs came to know the Lord and came out of Mormonism. So again, this Sunday at 9.15 a.m. at the Gateway Movie Theaters and the next Tuesday here on set with Adams Road, four LDS return missionaries who came to know the Lord and became Christians. Burning Heart 08 this coming September 20th, uh, Saturday at Sugar House Park. Great music, food, fun, worship, open water, baptism. Put it on your calendars. Invite your LDS family and friends, especially those who are struggling, who are inactive. To hear a message of salvation and uh, plan on coming Saturday, September 20th from 3 to 9 p.m. Hey, how's Project Abandon Ship coming along in your life? I know you've thought about it. Have you requested your name off the records of the LDS Church yet? If not, take the time and go to utlm.org and inform yourself on the simple process of what it takes to get off. We've received emails and letters from dozens and dozens of people who have abandoned ship and they all say similar things. They say, a huge weight was lifted off our backs. A peace came into my life. Quote, I felt free for the first time, free to really love and follow Jesus as he wants me to. Send a message, take a stand, and
2: abandon
3: ship.
1: Actually, I felt the breeze on my face from that. It was so powerful. All right, for the last 11 days, we've received 314 emails. Many of them, almost all of them, full of great insights, information, thoughts. We thank you. I'm going to review all. Uh, I'm going to review all. I'm going to review some of them tonight, some of the good ones. And first one came, same subject, from two different sources, my good brother Brandon and a writer named Ken. Ken wrote to say that he uh, had the LDS missionaries over, and they opened their Bible, the King James Version, and that they, as they were reading, he learned that in Genesis, in the Mormon Version of the King James Bible, there's 15 additional verses. Well, there are verses added all throughout the Bible, my friends, by none other than Joseph Smith, who received revelation, and he translated the Bible, and it's called the JST, the Joseph Smith Translation. Now, I used to tell people that the King James version of the Bible and the LDS uh, and the ones the LDS, which is the one the LDS use, is just like all the others, but uh, except in the footnotes they'll sometimes refer to the King James version of the Bible. But that is not true. My friend Brandon pointed out that he was reading in Ezekiel in the LDS version of the King James version of the Bible, and in Chapter 37, there's a preface to the chapter which says, Israel shall inherit the land uh, in the resurrection. The stick of Judah, parentheses Bible, and the stick of Joseph, parentheses Book of Mormon, became one in the Lord's hand. So uh, I have some advice now that I can see that they have biased and loaded even the King James Version of the LDS Bible with an LDS slant. As fall comes upon us soon, and you go to build the first fire in your home, take the LDS version of the Bible and burn the little freak to death, and then go and pick up one that is unaltered and doesn't give you, especially even that one, Ezekiel 37, that is such misdirection. That in and of itself, just that passage, what they say in their Bible about Ezekiel 37, I challenge any of you to go and open that up, get a, get and read it, and understand what that chapter is about, and your eyes are going to be open just by virtue of that. Okay, last week, according to the Deseret News, Robert Reese, a former editor of the LDS Periodical Dialogue, delivered a speech at the Salt Lake Sunstone Symposium, which I did attend on a couple of days. In my opinion, his speech was one of the most important speeches a Latter-day Saint has given in the past 30 years. According to the Deseret News article dated August 9th, Reese said there are, quote, no good reasons, end quote, why Mormons could not make the cross more central to their religious experience and that rejecting the cross is illogical and unnecessary. The article goes on to say, Reese said the fact that the LDS church members believe the most crucial elements of the atonement took place in the Garden of Gethsemane and not on the cross also tend to shift importance away from the cross. He said the Encyclopedia of Mormonism states that Mormons prefer the good news of the resurrection and choose not to dwell on his death, but the living Christ. Three years ago, Gordon B Hinckley agreed to that publicly. Uh, but did you know that an original photograph of one of Brigham Young's daughters shows her wearing a cross? Later, however, the picture has the symbol erased. In essence, Reese said he'd like church members to rethink the cross as a negative symbol. It can change. It can challenge us to re-examine. He said, the beauty of God. Great job, Robert Reese, LDS person. I think it's great insight. I look forward to the day when the LDS church puts that thing, on the, uh, that crossbar on all those steeples. Uh, it'll be a great day. Okay, uh, Diane, oh, I can't cover that one, just found out. Oh, yes, I can. Diane M. sent me uh, an email. Uh, talk about circling the wagons. She says this came, comes from an excerpt in the Mormon Church Handbook of Instruction. Members whose close relatives belong to apostate groups is the title. It says, Bishops and their counselors must take exceptional care when issuing recommends to members whose parents or other close relatives belong to or sympathize with apostate groups. Such members must demonstrate clearly that they repudiate these apostate religious teachings before they may be issued a temple recommend. So mom... When the stake president squints his eyes at you in your next Temple recommend interview and says, Sister McCraney, are you certain you repudiate everything that your apostate son believes? I give you permission, Mom, to take your 73-year-old voice and humbly to say yes. So you can continue to go on in there and do what they want you to do. Uh we go on, another email. Um, can't do that one a number of viewers uh forwarded this ap article to me from ktvb.com news now the title is polygamists fight church to be called mormon it's really an interesting read and it talks about how the fundamentalists are sick and tired of mainstream mormonism church's attempt to control how the media defines every sect it says, quote, we strenuously object to any efforts to deprive us and others of the freedom to name and describe ourselves by terms of our own choosing, the Principal Voices Coalition said in a statement issued Wednesday. Fundamentalist Mormons have been referred to by that name since the 1930s, often by the mainstream church itself. We are proud of our Mormon heritage. The article continues, fundamentalists sever... Uh, excuse me, fundamentalists revere the same prophets as the mainstream Mormon church, including founder Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, both of whom practice polygamy. They also share the mainline church's use of the Book of Mormon as a primary text, along with the Doctrine and Covenants, in which plural marriage remains part of their scriptural teachings. On June 24th, a Mormon church attorney sent a letter to newspaper, magazine, and broadcast media outlets asking them asking that the term fundamentalist Mormon be dropped from their news reports. John Walsh, a Mormon religious scholar, said, I don't know how you can't call them fundamentalist Mormons. He served as an expert witness in Texas in the FLDS case. A Mormon is someone who believes in the Book of Mormon, who has a belief that Joseph Smith was called of God in some way. From the fundamentalist point of view, they are real Mormons because they continue to adhere to Smith's original teachings about polygamy uh, that polygamy brought exaltation into heaven, said Carmen Hardy, a polygamy expert and retired professor at Cal State University Fullerton. A Mormon church spokesman did not immediately return a call seeking comment on the coalition statement. Hmm. In 1890, a church manifesto denouncing polygamy opened the door to Utah statehood, but church leaders, listen to this, church leaders continued to privately sanction plural plural marriage for decades, scattering some Mormons to Mexico and other locations to to continue the practice. The author of two volumes on polygamy, Hardy, said it wasn't until the 1920s that church leadership began to actively excommunicate known polygamists. These fundamentalists, had good reason to look upon themselves as the most faithful. It goes on to say, let's say, uh, these are. there is a disingenuous quality to what the Mormon church is doing now because they are having to deny so much of their history. From his studies, Walsh continue, concludes that the main differences between Mormons and their fundamentalist cousins really boil down to differences in daily living and not Theology. Obviously, Joseph Smith would be excommunicated for practicing polygamy today, Mormon scholar Newell Bringhurst said. That's the supreme irony. So, uh, check that out. Finally, we had a great group of kids from Bellflower, California, here sharing, singing, and supporting the local Christian churches. Uh, They're headed home in a day or two, and I wanted to take a moment before they return home and ask one of their leaders, Nathan. To come up here and join me and uh, share some of his experience uh, with the coming here to Utah and uh, sharing the gospel with the people out on the street. These guys were did a lot of different things. Nathan, how are you? Doing good. Excellent. You look really nice.
4: Thank you very much. Like I got this shirt, shirt from my Sean McCraney fan club oh, collection. He's fantastic.
1: <laughs> now, uh, how old are you, Nathan? I'm 33 years old. 33. You look yeah. like you're 17. Well, thank you. How long have you been a Christian? Been a Christian for 12 years now. 12 years, and uh, how long have you been in ministry? For about 10 years. 10 years. That's that's yeah. a long time. Have you ever been to Utah before? Yes, I have. Oh, actually. On a mission trip? No. When I was
4: uh, 16 years old, there was an Amway convention in Salt Lake, and so. Me and four of my friends, don't laugh, It was we were serious, no. I'm sure you were. We, we loaded up in a pickup truck, two of us uh, laid in the open cab in the back, and two of us were inside, and we made a 12-hour trip to Salt Lake.
1: So it had nothing to do with sharing the gospel, though? Not at all. Except I wasn't the even, gospel of Amway.
4: Exactly. I wasn't even a Christian at the time, and uh, yeah, we didn't have a real good experience, so...
1: Okay. Um, Tell us the places that you have been witnessing uh, on this missions trip with the kids.
4: Um, We've actually been in two main locations. uh, For the first part of the week, we were in Salt Lake City, uh, mainly in Salt Lake. And then uh, last weekend, we went up to Logan, Utah.
1: Logan, uh, Utah.
4: Yeah, and we were able to share there at the Cache County Fair for a couple days and um, had a lot of fun, had a lot of uh, challenges, a lot of great conversations with LDS up there. and. So that, those have been the two main places we've been to the last couple weeks.
1: Cache Valley, Utah is really actually the mecca of Mormonism, in my opinion. I mean, that place is, I mean, Mormon strong and uh, Christian church really really struggles to even exist up there. So uh, very good. Now, uh, I know that generalities can be dangerous, but if you could sort of summarize your perspective of the LDS again generally what would you say about them and what does your group uh, generally think about them as a whole
4: well i I think our group as a whole um after our experience last couple weeks really uh would would summarize the lds as zealous Um, Zealous. they're they're really zealous for righteousness but it's so incredibly misplaced Mm. um you know and a lot of the lds that we've talked to really um, adamantly proclaim their righteousness their goodness um, I don't know if they're being completely honest when they say that they've you know, never told a lie and never, uh, never insulted their parents or never did anything like that, but they really have this front of, of just zealousness, really zealous after righteousness. It's just it's, you know, so sadly misplaced.
1: Just for uh, the audience's sake, I didn't know what his answer was going to be, but it reminds me of one of my favorite passages relative to the LDS, and it fits right in. It's Paul writing in Romans. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Yeah. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Yeah. Would that summarize? Kind oh, of- absolutely.
4: That's exactly Beautiful. what we've experienced out here.
1: That's awesome. Um, what approach did you use when you were out there spree- uh, spree- preaching? It's preaching? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, mainly what we would do in in our street preaching would um, approach people with tracks. We have different tracks. And, And the main thrust of the tracks we would use would ask the question, are you a good person? And um, you know, unlike Southern California, uh, LDS people are very excited to say, yes, I am a good person and very excited to talk about how good they are. And wow. so it was very easy to get into conversations with those. So we would just hand them the tracks and ask you know, people, have you gotten one of these? And uh, for the most part, um, people were nice enough to say, oh, let me take that. You know, mm-hmm. um, occasionally they would look at it and go, I don't want any of that. But uh, for the most part, that was what we did. Just we would use tracks to, to open up the conversation. And then we would walk right into the conversation. And, um, earlier part of the couple weeks, we were uh, eager to talk about doctrine, you know, and then quickly learned that, you know, doctrine's not really the heart of the matter, so to speak. It's really, you know, um, how you're saved, you know, and your righteousness versus the righteousness of God and those things. So that's, that's that what brings used.
1: up a really good point, And we get this a lot in our ministry. People asked, you know, when you started your show, you were really about Jesus and about being born again. And then you shifted into talking about more and more about doctrine. Uh, and that's because we had so many LDS who when we were talking about Jesus they would call and write emails and say I'm so glad we're we're all the same we're all the same and and so we had to go through and show that the doctrinal differences truly are there yeah. but on a one-on-one basis Nathan if I were sitting to you next to a plane I would talk about goodness yeah. sin do you know the lord and just on on that basis Absolutely. I think it's yeah. far
4: more effective that that's what we learned real quick
1: excellent um from what you've seen in your experiences, and you can say whatever your heart is here, I wrote that in the questions I gave you, but do you think there are Latter-day Saints who are, in fact, saved, who do, in fact, know and have a saving faith in the true Jesus of the Bible?
4: Well, that's a good question, because based upon my experiences here in yeah. Salt Lake and Logan, my answer would be no. Huh? Um, but based upon my overall life experiences, I would say yes. Mm. Um, I've, I've known people in different faiths—Catholics, LDS, different people—that that, that kind of just applied the title to themselves, but really denied the the unbiblical doctrines. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so that's why I answer it that way. Mm. My experience is here. I haven't met anybody here that that I discerned was was really saved and just said, "Oh, I'm LDS by title." Mm. Um, but outside of that in my life experience, I have met people that Very way. Very
1: interesting. Uh, what do you see as the greatest obstacle to the LDS Church becoming an acceptable sect or denomination to uh, the Body of Christ?
4: Doctrine. <laughs> it's
1: doctrine. Doctrine. Not culture, so they can <laughs> continue to eat green jello. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
4: don't drink coffee and all that stuff. You know, yeah. that's fine. Oh, that's fine. You know, um, it's just the doctrines. You know, there's so many um, doctrines that 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 LDS have that are just just plainly unbiblical. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about biblical Christianity and what the Bible teaches on things. Um, a lot of their doctrines are so contrary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in, in denominations and in Christian denominations, we might say, you know, oh, you got to wear a suit to church or you can wear jeans, you know, mm-hmm. but that's not a biblical thing. Right. With LDS, I mean, some of the doctrines on, on who God is, who Christ is, how salvation is earned, what repentance really is, mm-hmm. those things are so vastly different mm-hmm. that I, that's the number one obstacle to, to, I think, anybody who would honestly look at the doctrines to be able to say, oh, yeah, they're a denomination of Christianity. This
1: guy's very articulate. Well, thank He's you. He's very, very good on this, <laughs> yes. If I ever get sick, you know, you give me a call. I'll fly out. Don't try to take my position. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: You're bigger than me. I won't yeah. try.
1: Now, uh, is there any last thing I think that's your camera that you'd like to say to the listening audience around the world, actually?
4: Absolutely. Um, I, I was kind of praying about that, and I, and I would honestly give this challenge. In, in my learning more about L- LDS doctrine and whatnot, um, I was educated on, on some of the covenants that I believe LDS make in church. And, One of those covenants or promises, as I was told by one LDS member, was to keep the commandments of Jesus, which he had given. I believe that's the right phraseology. Um, I would challenge any LDS watching the show that this next Sunday, when you make that covenant, um, really ask yourself how many times you've broken that covenant every week after you've made it. And really ask yourself this question, are you lying to yourself every week when you honestly believe you're going to keep the commands of Christ and not break any of them? Or are you lying to God? Um, every week when you make that covenant, because that's really the crux of the issue. Um, you know, the, the righteousness that we have is not our own. The righteousness is Christ's. And so I'd really challenge you to think about that as you make that covenant this next Sunday coming up.
1: Awesome. Stay here. Let's have an open with a word of prayer. Amen. Lord, uh, thank you for this airtime, for our audience viewing here, uh, for the volunteers, the technical staff, for this station. Lord, we pray that this message that Nathan's given And anything that is of you will go out to people who need it and want it and are seeking it, God. We pray for this, Lord. We thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, brother. Thanks so much. We can applaud for Nathan. (laughs) This, This is an unruly crowd. It's the largest I've seen, actually. The 17 points of what the LDS call the true church is a paraphrase of scripture that's the 17th point that says, by their fruits you shall know them. Last week we pointed out several things relative to that passage. First, the passage was spoken by Jesus, and it was in reference on how to tell if a self-proclaimed prophet was of God or not. Secondly, we discussed how the Lord was very clear that a tree which represents a true or false prophet. Of God cannot bear both good and bad fruit it either bears all good fruit or all bad fruit and it is by this fruit that we can tell if the tree or the prophet is of God finally we talked about how the individual fruits a person bears are indicative of his or her Christianity or personal relationship with Jesus and that they're not fruits Of their belonging to a particular religion or denomination. We pointed this out because it shows that the body of Christ, the true church, is made up of believers who are tapped into the vine. That's who the body of Christ is made of and not an institution that claims it's his only true church on the face of the earth. Okay so tonight we're going to apply the Lord's teachings in Matthew chapter 7 to the self-proclaimed prophet Joseph Smith jr. He claimed to receive revelation from God's mouth to his ear. His believing contemporaries claimed he was a prophet. Latter-day Saints today still refer to him as the prophet with a capital T. He's the prophet. Referring to Joseph Smith, the Mormons today, whether LDS or FLDS, sing, Hail to the prophet, ascend into heaven. Traitors and tyrants now fight him in vain. Ain, ain, ain. Mingling with gods, he now plans for his brethren. Death shall not conquer the hero, Joseph Smith, again. Interestingly, all LDS doctrine practice, and I would even suggest culture, comes from the things Joseph Smith claimed were from God. Relatively speaking, all of the LDS prophets after Joseph Smith have provided very few Doctrinal revelations to the members of the church. I can think of there was tithing being enforced by one prophet after Joseph Smith. There was a revelation to end the earthly earthly practice of polygamy. Brigham Young's Adam God doctrine was presented by Brigham Young, but the LDS today claim that Adam God was never a doctrine but a theory. Joseph Fielding Smith had a dream or revelation of Christ going down and getting the spirits to go to hell and preach to the spirits in prison. And there was a revelation in 1978 that all worthy males could now hold the uh, priesthood, whereas before black people could not. Almost everything else came from God through Joseph Smith or from Joseph Smith himself. Let's see if we can decide over these next few weeks where they came from. In my opinion, which is certainly not fact, It's just my opinion, but in my opinion, everything Mormons do today, whether they are mainstream LDS, fundamental LDS, crazy fool LDS, faithful LDS, is fruit from the tree called Joseph Smith. So we're going to take these next two shows and apply the Savior's teachings about prophets to Joseph Smith and see if his fruit was all good, therefore all from God or if his fruits were ever evil and therefore not from God. I'm gonna to attempt to progress through this chronologically. Let's begin with Joseph's early dealings with people, 14 years of age, and right in that area, and representing himself as God's servant and trying to point out fruits that were established by him at this time as a prophet. Let me say from the beginning that Mormonism, by the world's standards, appears to be a, tr- a tree that once produced kind of strange fruit but now produces, when the world looks at it, a tree that produces this really good, good fruit. Uh, Let me remind you of something. It's all a matter of perspective. Are we viewing Mormonism from a a humanitarian, earthly perspective, or are we viewing it from God's perspective? Latter-day Saints generally are very hard workers. They have thrift and industry, down to a science. They are organized, they're very good since the beginning at record keeping. They're self-disciplined. They, they appear to have very good family values. They uh, expect a high standard of living from their members. And they produce good theater and choirs and performing arts. But remember, Karl Marx could have been the author of, this, of the underlying philosophy that produces this kind of fruits. Uh, Sun Young Moon, L. Ron Hubbard, Mother Teresa. Anybody bent on helping the human course, directing them to do better uh, whether it's good or evil, could accomplish these things. The question is are the fruits of Mormonism from God? Looking way back to 1820, I would suggest that Joseph Smith, who was failing at being a treasure seeker with his father to find buried treasure with the use of a stone and go onto people's farms and say, there's treasure buried there, and they would dig for it, and then he'd say, wait a minute. The demons of the earth have moved it. It's over there, and then they move over there to get it. He failed at doing that, and so he moved over into religion, and the first fruits of Joseph Smith's tree were born. Deception. Tonight is deception, the first fruit from the tree of Joseph Smith. He deceived people about his claims to see money and treasure buried in the earth with a stone. That very same stone was used according to Joseph Smith and LDS historians today, to translate the so-called Book of Mormon. He, de- he deceived people about his claims to uh, believe that he saw God. His first uh, description of that was that he kind of saw this light. His second... His second... His second deception was that he kind of saw God and Jesus, or Jesus, or angels, and this and that. And finally, about uh, 20 years after the fact, I think, he came up with this. He saw God the Father in a body of flesh and bone, and Jesus Christ in a body of flesh and bone, standing together, two separate and distinct entities. Watch our show on the First Vision if you want to learn more. He deceived people then and now relative to the origins and the contents of the Book of Mormon and the book of Abraham. He deceived people with convenient ad hoc revelations which make up the present day doctrine and covenants. He would come up with revelations that were very suited to what his needs were and say, thus saith the Lord. He deceived young women about God saying that he told them that they must become his wife even when they were married to other men and he deceived his wife by hiding these women from her. Such fruits of deception completely enrages the God of heaven and earth, especially when it leads people to follow another God. Remember Deuteronomy chapter 13. God says, If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or wonder, and the sign or wonder come to pass, wherefore he spake unto thee, saying, 'Let Let us go after other gods. Which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God, singular, with all your heart and with all your soul. Notice the plural that God uses in this revelation here in Deuteronomy. He says, If there's a prophet or dreamer of dreams who tells you to go after these other gods, lowercase g with a plural, don't go after them. He says, I want to see that you will prove that you follow God, Lord, singular, one. What does God tell the children of Israel to do in Deuteronomy 13 to these guys? He says, and that prophet or the dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God. Now, this fruit of deception introduced by Joseph Smith to the world has bore seeds and that seed has produced more trees which have produced more Fruits in the heart of Mormonism worldwide. It is no wonder that the state of Utah is known by the SEC as the security scam and fraud capital of the nation, if not the world. Mark Hoffman, a return missionary and temple-attending Mormon, was able to deceive all sorts of people, especially the higher-up leadership, because he knew he ha- they did not have an ability to discern a lie, and he capitalized on that, and he deceived the deceivers. If you read his bi- the biographies written about the guy, he said, when I came in and I prov- produced them, this fraudulent piece of paper, I fully expected them to look at it and say, Man, the spirit tells me this is a fraud. Instead, they said, this is wonderful. It is tremendous. And he thought, hmm, I'm going to start giving them more documents that he forged. It ultimately end, ended in murder. The concept of lying for the Lord is well established among many of the LDS faithful who believe there are times when a lie, especially a lie to protect the church, is justified and from God himself, whose scripture says cannot lie. Sadly, because of Joseph's teachings, deception is alive and well in the lives of most local members, too. It's self deception. Nathan mentioned when they take the sacrament, they promise, they covenant to obey all of God's commandments, fully aware that they are not going to obey those commandments. And yet, by promise, sacramental covenant, they make this. This is not lying for the Lord, it's lying to the Lord. We had a caller a number of months ago state something to the effect that when I left the LDS church, I stopped lying. It's sad but true. In order to be a temple, enter the temple worthily, you're asked a series of questions. These questions are presented in a way that the only way to pass them is to be both deceptive and self-deceptive. Wherefore, by these fruits, ye shall know Joseph. Let's open up the uh, phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. Uh, we love LDS callers. First-time callers are very important. If you're a repeat caller, just don't do it so that other people have a chance to call in. And, uh, and make sure you turn your TV down when we go to the phone lines. Uh, I'm, we have some callers on the line. If it's busy, keep trying. Let me read some quick emails. This is from a guy named Miles. It was, uh, he talked about growing up Mormon. He's a returned missionary. He says, uh, uh, throughout high school and after, I always struggled to keep the word of wisdom and law of chastity. I would go through roller coasters of emotion, guilt, and mostly shame, and if I slipped a beer or touched a woman. From the constant cycle of repent, sin again, repent, I couldn't look at the bishop in the eye for nine months out of every year. (laughs) <laughs> this is terrible. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it is this cycle, these revolving doors that you, because you're under your own power to overcome your sin and to work your salvation out with fear and trembling because it's you who does it. Uh, there is a revolving door with some of these people into the bishop's office, you know? They have these moral problems, and they go in and they, they throw it up all over the bishop's desk, and he absolves them after they wait for two weeks to partake of the sacrament. And then they, they really buck up, and they go for six months, and they're clean, and then boom, they're back at it again. And you know, when you turn it to the Lord, and you say, I can't do this. I have absolutely no power to do this. Please, God, help me. Don't let me think I can do it ever That's when you start to have progress in these things. So, Miles, I hope you're able to find that out. Uh, Let me get one more in here. This is from Ray in Hawaii. He says, how do Mormons justify a molten image of an angel on top of their temples? Are we not commanded by God not to mold images of anything in heaven or in earth? I don't even need to comment on it. I don't even need to make a comment. Ray, it's an excellent question. LDS, answer that question for us when you call. Okay, call and tell us tell us about that one. Uh, skip that one. Uh, this. Uh... When we had a show and I was talking and someone called in, I think two weeks ago, and said, hey, Christian churches are all fighting with each other. They can't get along. And uh, so look at our church. We're all together. Uh, uh, Laura wrote, the same thing can be said about Mormonism. She said, they don't agree on much of anything. And it seems to me that the LDS church is apostate because Joseph Smith said God told him that plural marriage was an everlasting covenant. So now we've got people who say, I'm going to follow that. We have people who say we're not following it. We have, ha- we have had sex break off, S-E-C-T-S, break off from the LDS Church, and I'm sure sex is broken off from the LDS Church too, but we've had sex, hundreds of them, break off, break off, break off from the LDS Church. So, you know, all this stuff is all good emails, relative, and just keep searching for the Lord. Let's go to Kay in Napa, Idaho, first time caller. Kay, you're on Heart of the Matter.
5: Yes, hi. Um, I have a question. Uh, In the Mormon religion, does the devil and
1: Jesus, are they brothers? Uh, They are spiritual brothers, yeah. The Latter-day Saints believe in a pre-existence, and uh, they believe that we were created spiritually by Heavenly Father and his wives, or wife now, but it used to be wives. And so uh, we all existed. Everybody who's on earth existed as spirit children, and the first child, spirit child born to God the father and his wife was Jesus and then up there at the top was Satan. So that made them spiritual brothers and that's what people mean when they say that they are brothers. Uh, the Christians obviously believe that Jesus is uncreated, that Jesus was the creator of all things and uh, therefore he's not the brother to any any spirit being, any angel, any human being. That's
5: very true. I'm a born again Christian. and. I watched The Godmakers, and I wanted to know if it was true or not.
1: Yeah, that one's true in The God Makers. There's some other stuff in that that's not true, but that that one is true.
5: Okay. Okay, well, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. We're going to uh, Eric in Auburn, California, first-time caller. Eric, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, great. How you doing, man?
6: I'm doing well. How are you? Doing wonderful. Hey, you know, I just wanted to call in and comment that, uh, you know, everything that you were saying about, you know, the lying for the Lord. I, I don't know. You know, I've been in dialogue with a few Mormons, and I don't know if it's if they're lying or if they're just so ignorant about some of the things that they speak of. Um, I just, uh, I have a Christian band, and we were recording in Oakland, California, and uh, we noticed a big Mormon temple, and we had never been to one, you know, so we went up there, and I ended up speaking to the director of the Oakland, California Temple Visitor Center. His name's Robert G. Peterson. And one of the first things he did was start going off about how, you know, the Trinity was just a creation at the Nicene, you know, uh, council, and it, it didn't exist before that. And I'm just like, are you, like, lying to me right now? I mean, I'm like, where'd you hear this? Who taught you, and why'd you believe it, you know? So, I mean, you definitely encounter that, you know, a lot, or at least I have in my experience when I dialogue with Mormons. So. Yeah,
1: that one, Eric, uh, actually that's good because he was being truthful about his feelings about, uh, about the Trinity. Uh, yeah. You know, but sometimes you're going to, they really do believe that there are, that milk before meat is the justification they use. And so if you ask a question that they don't feel you are prepared to receive, like uh, pearls before swine, they, they will not give you the true answer. They want want to lead you. So your point is well taken. In fact, I like to tell the audience, go on YouTube and uh, put in Lying for the Lord or type in Robert Millett, and you can get an actual videotape of the guy at BYU. He's a professor, and you can get a videotape of him teaching other LDS about how to answer these questions, and he says, don't answer the question you were asked and give them an answer they need to hear. Yeah. That's a paraphrase.
6: Absolutely, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've actually seen it, and it just, it blew me away. Yeah. where's I mean, that, to me, that is just so ridiculous. I mean, I'm a Christian, and it's like, when I want to share the Lord with people or share the gospel, I don't want to handle the gospel with deceit. I don't want to handle the scriptures in a crafty way. It's just right. to be honest and truthful. And to me, that's just a shows a lot about their true character and stuff. It really
1: does. Eric, it's a great call. Hey, let me ask you something. What do you do, tell the audience what you do if someone comes up and asks you a question that is hard or difficult or that you don't know?
6: Well, you know, my answer is if, if somebody comes up to me and they and they ask me a question that I just don't know, Yeah. I'm absolutely honest with them, but you know what? I give them my name, my phone number, the church I go to, and I say, hey, I'll find you the answer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we meet later, or, I, you know, I'll ask one of my pastors, but, I, you know, I'll go, I'll research, and yeah. uh, I'll try to provide as best I can le- le- uh, an answer to him, like in First Peter 3.15, Yeah. you know, where it commands us to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us with meekness and, and fear. Yeah. You know, so that's what I always try to do.
1: Tremendous. Great call. Thank you so much, Eric. Hey, thanks a lot, man. God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. bye bye what a great point. And you'll see uh, any any Christians have no vested interest in lying to you to get you to become a Christian. They're going to probably tell you the hard facts, like if you come up and say, is there such a place as hell? I'm sorry, but there is. I like to be politically correct, but uh, there is. You know, a Latter-day Saint might say, well... You know, there's many levels of heaven, you know, and hell's just reserved for those guys like Sean McCraney on TV20. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they, they do all this. other, They juggle it and juggle it and spin it. And, oh, it's just horrible. Why do you do that, Latter-day Saints? Because you're afraid to present it right out. You ask a Christian the gospel, they just throw it out there as it is, or they better. Let's go to Matthew in Salt Lake City. XLDS, Matthew, you're on Heart of the Matter.
3: Hey, Sean, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, too. Listen, I just wanted to kind of touch on uh, what, what was your, your guest name? Uh, Nathan. Nathan, what he said, and you kind of mentioned that, too. Uh, as far as, in my experience with, uh, with Mormons and the Ten Commandments, you know, it seems like Mormons, I mean, obviously, the, besides thou shalt not kill and, and maybe thou shalt not steal, commit adultery, but besides that, they, they don't admit that we are all humans, imperfect people, that don't always tell the truth. Right. And that maybe look upon a, a a young woman with with not the purest thoughts, but that or an
1: old woman, you know, depending on who you are,
3: oh there you go, anyways, as long as they don't drink coffee, pay their ten yeah. percent yeah, exactly, and they don't murder anyone, no they, their conscience they they think that they are they're they're just perfect, and yeah. a good example is that idiot that calls you pretending to be from Ireland, yeah, lying lying about his name, lying about where he's from, and uh, I'm sure that guy thinks that he is. A perfect Christian that has never, you know, because he hasn't murdered anyone or whatever, right. he, he, he he doesn't realize that he he is a sinner like all the rest of us.
1: Oh, praise God! It's great insight, Matthew, and it's so
3: true. Well, anyways, I yeah. just I just I've always noticed that, and my entire family, temple going Mormons, and, and they're good and decent people. I yeah. I, I, I respect them all, but right. they are they don't have they're not perfect by right. any stretch. Have Ex- a have
1: a good day, Sean. Thanks, Matthew. Bye bye. You know, if and the lot of saints will say often, well, we're not perfect, but you know, but you say, are you a liar? Well, you know, I've told a lie. You, you've told a lie. That's a lie in and of itself. So now you've told two. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they'll say, well, I lie. I have lied, but I repented. You know, it's cleaned. But if you lie, you're a liar. You know, that that's what you are. And they just refuse the deception. The self deception is amazing because they just refuse to see themselves. As, as vile sinners and go through the Ten Commandments this is what they do up, up north in Logan uh, Brad at Oasis books go through them that's what these kids were doing hey what's the uh, the fifth commandment thou shalt not thou shalt obey your father and mother have you always obeyed your father and mother <laughs> six have you ever killed anybody no what did Jesus say about that commandment he says if you get mad at somebody if you get angry with them you've murdered them in your heart uh, And so he has a whole bunch of things like that. And, you know, it's just funny when you break it down where all sinners understand that about yourself. And when you do, you'll see there's nothing I can do to fix it. You'll go to the Lord Jesus Christ, go to him and say, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Change my life. Give me a new heart. I want to be born again. This Sean McCraney guy, I don't trust him, but I don't trust my bishop. I don't trust my stake president. I want to trust you, God. You tell me. Give me a new heart. Let me be born again. I am sinful in my heart. Admit it. You did. You committed sins today, Latter Day Saints. Bad ones. Admit it. Go to the Lord and, and repent. Let's go to Salvatore in uh, Salt Lake City. First time caller. Salvatore, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, uh, Sean.
7: Hi. You mentioned something about uh, burning the Bible because it had
1: extra chapters. The King James uh, LDS version. Yeah, definitely. Well, do you you know it's a Nazi trick? It's a Nazi books trick? To burn books. Oh, so you, you just keep any book around, huh?
7: Well, that's a Nazi trick
1: to burn books. You know what? I, it, it, just, you know, Hitler hated Picasso, too. Does it mean he had terrible oh, taste in everything? Um, I'm not talking about him. I'm talk, talking about you, burning books. Hey, burn the Bi- burn the LDS Bible, and I don't care. Who Why he, should you burn I, it? Because it has false things uh, in it that lead people astray. Nazi trick. Well, whatever you want to call it. Okay, uh, something else. All right. Do you know
7: that your station uh, advertises uh, uh, things that are. Uh, I know you don't want to hear a specific product, product but. You can uh, say whatever you want. There's a vacuum cleaner commercial. Uh, is that a Nazi uh, you trick, get too? A vacuum cleaner. You get one for free. The only problem is. Hello? I'm here. Oh, the problem is. You can't, I can't use, I, I called them, I said, I don't need to, I can't, I'm going to hold a vacuum in each hand and vacuum. They said, oh, the second one is free. I said, oh, okay. So I get the second vacuum cleaner, and all I looked to is pay, shipping and handling. The vacuum cleaner costs $80. The shipping and handling is $140. And, and
1: this is your station, this is your station. So you don't have any vodka? You, you, you (gasps) religious nuts, you. Or did he drink it all in the state? Uh, listen. What? You know what? Look at You, what is your point? My point is... What, I should control the advertising on, on the station that our show airs on? Absolutely,
7: yeah. Well, isn't that a Nazi trick? Speak to the people that run the station that allow you to be on and tell them to stop doing the false advertising.
1: All right, well, thank you. I, 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 I plead with you to do that. Okay, Salvatore. Okay. See ya. Have a good evening You too, bye. All right. We're going to George in West Valley, first-time caller. George, you're on heart of the matter. Yeah. You're on the air, brother.
8: Oh, hi, John. Hi. Um I'm LDS? <laughs> yes. And uh, my mom is a Catholic.
1: Uh-huh. And
8: my dad is a Methodist.
1: And your dad's a Methodist?
8: Yeah. Okay. And my question is um, all the teaching of the LDS Church is a lie. They never, they never uh, mention any, any right. So everything they teach is wrong.
1: Uh, no, not everything they teach is wrong. But the fact that they share truth doesn't make them right. Yeah. Does that make sense to you?
8: Makes sense. Yeah. One question is: Okay, remember when Jesus came to Earth?
1: Yeah, sort of. Yeah,
8: there, there are some churches on that time, right? There was what? There are some churches on that time when Jesus in. Okay. But he 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 organized his own church. Why? Why he never come and belong to one of the church on that time?
1: Oh, because the church had been corrupted. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had, they had corrupted Judaism. And, and all of those things that they, did, that they did were a type and shadow of him to come. And he was the substance of the law fulfilled. And so he established his church, which is the, the church of Christ. And, and it's full of grace and love and mercy. And the law was fulfilled in him. And so that's why he established his own church, uh, George. Okay, oh, Okay, John. That's why I, I'm
8: calling to testify you only the two churches in the world only the other churches. Bye-bye.
1: <laughs> okay. So, uh we have Don in Ogden. Don, you're on Heart of the Matter.
2: Uh, Sean, praise the Lord.
1: Praise the Lord. Uh,
2: you're, you're a blessing to our Father in Heaven and the ministry of what you do is God's work. And people need to... Uh, be adjusted on this and uh, no, I'm not being deceived. This ministry is here solely for the purpose of the love of God. We love our LDS brothers and sisters, and and it's a shame that we feel that they're, they're being deceived. Yeah. There's going to be some of them, uh, sadly, to say that uh, you be on the left of them and I be on the right of them in the kingdom of God, and I hope they're not unhappy with us being neighbors because as Christians, we're going to heaven to be with God. Right. Uh, that's, I, I left the church in 1982 due to a lot of uh, health research with uh, uh, Gerald and Sandra Tanner, Ed Decker, Jim Spencer, uh-huh. and it wasn't just a, a snap decision, there was a lot of research that I put into this to where it got to the point brother, to where I, I physically got sick from the things of what I was reading from the Journal of Discourses, yeah. uh, the history of the church. And, and, and after I left the church, I, I have seen so many miracles, countless miracles of, of healings, of cancer, of lupus disease, of spinal meningitis. A child's back completely covered with water blisters and left in, in minutes. And these things, and spinal meningitis, uh, faith offerings where God had told me to empty my pockets. And uh, of everything of what I had, from anywhere from $30 to hundreds of dollars. And instant
1: blessings within three days.
2: Well, that's uh, wonderful.
1: Oh, that's really wonderful, Don. I really appreciate your comments because it does reemphasize we often get, set, we often are told that our ministry is just about hate, and uh, it's not about oh, hate.
2: No, it's not. Yeah. We love these
1: people. All right. Thanks so much, Don.
2: That's okay. I, I want to ask a question. Uh, with some uh, documentation I got from Gerald Tanner from uh, General Discovery. We, Brigham Young was to have said at one time, if a black man ever holds the priesthood, then the uh, foundation of the church would crumble and would no longer exist.
5: Now he The did question
2: say. is, can the black man or African-American brothers uh, hold the Melchizedek priesthood, and are there any black bishops? I've, I've seen the uh, yeah. conference. But,
1: I'm uh, sure there are black bishops. I don't know of any, but I'm sure there are. They can hold the Melchizedek priesthood, and to put that quote by Brigham Young in context, he did say that that the church foundation would crumble, but he said until the curse is lifted. That's how that quote ends, and so they can okay. justify it by saying the curse was lifted in 1978.
2: Oh, uh, oh, when uh, Spencer Kimball yeah. gets to Exactly. Hey, thanks a lot. Okay, God bless you. God bless you. Bye, bye.
1: Uh, we're gonna go to Stephen Pleasant Grove, first-time caller. Steve, you're on Heart of the Matter. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good, good. I just want to say, first off, I I think you're doing a wonderful job um, speaking to people and uh, taking calls and answering questions. Um, I'd like to just uh, kind of put this out or get your take on it. I'm a Christian. Uh um, And I'm just a little worried sometimes with what churches and what men, what the men that lead these churches say. trust man I I try and follow the Bible Ten Commandments things like that right and am am I a horrible person for not wanting to go to church but you know just trying to live a good life
1: yeah you're not a horrible person you're probably just a thinking person and and you're you're listening and you're and maybe what you may err in putting too much uh, trust in men and you say you don't put any in men, but the problem is, is you have to have been disappointed by men in the first place. So uh, maybe go and just realize that they're trying to do their best. Uh, they, they make mistakes, everybody does. We have a small uh, parachurch that we do and I make mistakes every week. I probably say things that are dri- driving people away too. We just, you just try, but church is a good place to congregate with like-minded believers. It's a place to hear the word preached. That would be important for whatever church you pick to hear it preached. And taught to worship the lord with other people who believe him it's a great experience and those things are not bad some men have made religion a very ugly thing but maybe just discount that a little don't put so much emphasis on how failing they are and just try to find the good things within it uh, but they're you're never going to find a perfect one and they're always going to disappoint you men just have a habit of doing that you know
0: yeah that's i've, I've gone to some services uh uh, like an evangelical Christian church, just just go and listen to them speak about the Bible and stories in the Bible. And I, I think that's, you know, not a bad thing. Yeah. When, when people get caught up in it and, you know, or...
1: That happens very easily.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm just putting that out there for people of any religion, whatever, just uh, use your brain and, you know, and just... Uh, just don't get caught up in what man says uh you know go to the bible i guess and try and research things and uh,
1: you know figure it out for yourself all right steve thanks so much thank you have a good evening god bless bye-bye bye we're going to melissa and Buff bluffdale not buffdale uh, melissa you're on heart of the matter
5: hi i just had a comment um, my husband, our, we had some missionaries come to our house a couple of days ago and my husband was talking to him and he got out because we've got a set of the history of the church books and he got out and was talking to him about how Joseph Smith killed some people and, and he says well that he would look into it well then a couple of uh, the next day they went downstairs where my children were babysitting and my son was talking to him and he, he my son made a comment that there's no proof that you know, I believe anything at the LDS that, and, his, and my son says, well, you talked to my dad the other day. And he made, my son made a, you know, made the comment about them coming up. And he says, oh, yeah, I remember your dad. He says, you know, I went through the track that he gave me of of all the quotes and stuff. He says, he must have a, a misprint in his books. He says, because that's not none of our books.
1: Huh. Well, uh, so are you asking about the validity of whether Joseph Smith killed people?
5: No, um, we, I, no I'm a Christian, and I, and I don't believe in, in the LDS, but I just thought that, you know, these people are going, you know, doing their door-to-door, and they're hearing about what's in their history books, but then when they come across other people, they're saying that it's not true, that, you know, he, he was basically saying that we had some, somehow we got a misprint right. of their books but their,
1: their copy that they have doesn't have that in it. So somehow we got a misprint
5: that says... Yeah, you got the
1: misprint and they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Great point, Melissa. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite things uh, at home when I'm driving down the street or I'm someplace and the missionaries come in is... Uh, how many wives Joseph Smith have? And uh, they always say one. No, he did Come on, keep guessing. That is not true. It is true. How many? Come on, tell me and uh they they just don't know you want to meet you want to meet a couple people who don't know lds church history nor the doctrines uh talk to the missionaries and uh and that's that's really amazing isn't it yeah, but that is the absolute truth because if they knew it they would have a very hard time going out there and selling it so they get these young kids and there's a really it's smart because those young kids when they knock on the door and uh and a family answers and the husband's there he's not threatened by some you know, skinny-necked guy coming into his house, so come on in, elders, and they're all friendly, and they sit down, and they don't know the truth, so they teach you this really happy-go-lucky thing, and it's only when you join and start really getting involved, and all your kids love their friends there, and suddenly you start learning you're going to become a god, and Jesus was a created being, and, and all these things, you know, so that's kind of how it works. Uh, listen. Got uh, it. Jeff, sorry. Uh, Brian, sorry. Other callers, sorry. We're going to move on at the end of the show. Don't forget this Sunday at the Gateway Theaters, downtown Salt Lake City. Come and see Adams Road, a music group that includes four faithful returned LDS missionaries who have come to see the light and an abandoned ship. They're going to share their testimony on the heart of the matter next week here and tell us about what. It means to be a Christian relative to uh, having been a Latter-day Saint. And uh, I just want to say to those LDS who might get a little angry tonight, stuff, and my joking around, I do a lot of that. I saw, met a guy named Mitch in uh, the supermarket. He came up to me and said he's LDS. He's a Sunday school teacher. He watches the show every week. He's learning a lot. And he wanted to know if I thought that he was saved. And uh, I said, well, Mitch, tell me, do you... Do you Uh, Do you believe the Lord Jesus Christ came, suffered for your sin? Do you believe he died, that he resurrected? Do you believe he is God in the flesh? We talked about all these different things. Yes, I believe it. Yes, I believe it. I believe I'm born again. I said, then I'm not the person to make that judgment, Mitch. You keep watching. You keep searching. And that's about how the dialogue goes one-on-one with me, with anybody from our ministry. With most Christians, you're going to see one-on-one basis, it's going to be a talk from love. And just, you know, do you really know the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? If you don't know him, you have every opportunity. Nothing is stopping you to go to him and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take over my life. Give me a new heart. I want to be born again. We'll talk about that more next week here on Heart of the Matter. See you then.